Metricast. I think for me, stuck is a mentality. Mm. It's not a reality. You're not stuck. You're just focused on what you can't control. Mm. And when you focus on what you can't control, you can't act. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is a rainy day here in North Carolina, and this episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Jeremy Clevenger Fitness and the Sasquatch Flag Company. Both of these sponsors help me bring these shows to you each and every week, so I encourage you to click on their links below and check them out. I have another great show lined up for you today, but before we get started, I just want to remind you to check out the leadership books I've written on either Amazon or my website, johnsrennie.com. This year, I'm offering a new way to purchase all of my books for a discount. I've bundled the books into what I call the Qualified Leadership Series, and you get all three books for 15% off the individual prices. This offer is only available on my website, so check it out if you're looking to step up your leadership game this year. Also, I wanted to remind you that Deep Leadership is ranked as a top 100 management show in the U.S. and in the U.K., and I wanted to thank each and every one of you for listening in each week and sharing these episodes with your friends. You have helped this podcast grow into a top-performing show, so thank you very much. Well, that is it. Today we're going to be talking about unlocking the full potential of ourselves as leaders and our teams, and my guest is Miles Welch. Miles is a former Marine who has worked in ministry and in the leadership community at the John Maxwell Leadership Center. He now helps leaders work to unlock their personal and team's potentials. His insights into how leaders get stuck and how they can overcome failure are powerful. This was a conversation that will directly impact you as a leader. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Miles Welch. Miles is the founder of Miles Welch Coaching. He is a global leadership expert who has had an amazing career. He's a former Marine. He's pastored one of the largest churches in the United States and was an executive director of the John Maxwell Leadership Center. Miles has a passion for helping hungry leaders unlock their personal and team potential. And I'm excited to have him on the show to talk about what it takes to unlock our full potential as leaders. So, Miles, welcome to the show. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. That's a mouthful. It sounds like <laughs> a couple of things. I must be tired. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I wanted to start off with questions about your career because uh, you have had a very interesting background. Uh, yeah. You, you know, former Marine, uh, you were a pastor at a church, uh, and uh, now you're into leadership. So, how does somebody go through that kind of career? And how does that, how is the, your time in the military? Your time in the church helped you to be really a great leadership expert in helping leaders. Yeah, first of all, I, the whole global leader, leadership expert thing—that's a lot. But but uh, <laughs> I try. You know, I, I taught a leadership lesson in in Siberia for a couple of weeks, so I think that makes me a global leadership expert. Um, but I'll tell you, um, I mean, I, I'll tell you what I love about the military, and you know this because you were in the military also they give a lot of leadership potential to very young men and women. Mm -hmm. 
And, and I think there's something really good about that. And I'm certainly, I'm grateful for the early opportunities that I had. Uh, you know, I think I was 23 and I was a platoon sergeant with 80 Marines in my platoon. And that was kind of where leadership became real to me. Um, I'll never forget. We have a platoon sergeant meeting, you know, with our four platoons in the company. And so the four, four of us, we get together and all of them said to me one time, they said, how come your guys follow you better than our guys follow us? And I said, guys, it's because I do things you won't do. And, and they were like, well, tell me, like, what do you mean? I said, well, let me give you an example. I said, the other day we were, uh, you know, my guys had worked hard. My Marines had worked hard from, from morning to night. It was really a tough work. It was loading trains, which is a lot. I mean, it's just tedious, uh, tiring, you know, manual labor type work. It was a Friday and they were going to go away for the weekend, but we also had rifles, which means there has to be a guard. And so the guard is a one hour shift. And so the guys were going to go out into town and have fun, but eight of them were going to have to stay back to do guard uh, duty that night. And so as we're marching back, I just, it just occurred to me that these guys had worked really hard. And I said, guys, you know what I'm going to do? Cause I'm not really one to go out and go do all that stuff. I said, I'm going to be guard all night and you guys get to go have your fun. Oh, wow. And which is unheard of, you know, a platoon sergeant standing guard to let the, you know, lesser, lesser is the wrong word, but lower rank military go have some fun. That's unheard of. But I said, my guys will follow me anywhere because I do things like that. And they said, oh, we're going to do that. I said, yeah, well, then they're, then they're not going to follow you like, like my guys follow me. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, we, we had our last uh, conversation with the idea. We talked to, with a guest about influential leadership and, and yeah. being influential versus using your rank and authority for leadership. Right. And, and there is an example of where you're, you have increased your influence with your team just because of the, the, the servant nature of your leadership. Well, at a, at a, in an organizational level, people follow you because they have to, you know, they, but at a human level where actual influence happens, people have to pick you. Mm. And if they don't pick you, they're not really, that you're going to get just enough out of them, you know, to, for them to not get into trouble. And even if you think about how much actual leverage and authority a sergeant in the Marines has over his platoon or her platoon, and yet that's not real, that's not real leadership. That's stripes on a shoulder. Real leadership is when they pick you and now they follow me better than the other platoon sergeants. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting because there's a, there's a lot of misconceptions about military uh, people who are veterans coming into the workforce, you know, you're ex-military. So they think your command and control, that rank is that you're going to use your authority and swagger and, and sure. uh, to get things done. And, and I'm like, no, that's not the way I had to lead when I was in the military. And it sounds like you had similar experiences. You can do that, but that's sort of the weak... Uh, the response to leadership, a very lesser form of leader. It's, it's, it is leadership, but at a very base, you know, level. Again, I, th I think that form of leadership gets you just enough to where people don't get into trouble, but you don't, yeah. re you're not connecting with hearts. You're not, it's not, a, right. it's, not, it's not where real influence happens. And that, I mean, and you know, you, you translate that thinking into the church. Well, in the church, as a pastor, you have very little leverage. Yes. Uh, this is a, you know, in the nonprofit scenarios in general, you're working with vol a lot of volunteers and, you know, volunteers. And in the church, if you think about it, those volunteers pay your salary. 
Yes. And, and so, so if you don't know how to, you know, gain influence and if you're going to leverage your position, you're not going to do very well in, in church leadership. Uh, you, you, you know, it, it requires a, in my opinion, a, it requires the higher form of leadership, uh, and influence. And so I just, you know, that, that became very natural to me. Um, and I was very fortunate, John, that I was, uh, part of some really great churches. And the last one I was a part of just took off like a rocket ship. And because of that, it, you know, the church itself had about 20,000 people and about 200 on staff. And, and, you know, it was a, it was a massive organization that I got to be, you know, and on the executive team of, and so that's, so that's much more like leadership than pastoring in most settings. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've, I've talked to my pastor a lot about this and he's funny cause he's a, he's former army ranger. He went to West Point. Yeah. There was an army ranger and then, then decided he wanted to become a pastor. And so, so, but, but, but I, I've often told him that being a pastor is one of the hardest leadership jobs out there. And again, because you just mentioned it, it's an all volunteer, you know, team that you're, you're trying to lead. And, and, um, you know, you have to be good at so many different things, whether it's preaching, leadership, organization, people issues, and you're sort of on stage 24 uh, seven, you know, your, your actions are, 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 are scrutinized. Your family's actions are looked after. I think it's one of the hardest leadership jobs there is, is being a, being a pastor, to be honest. I'll tell you the, the, when I first started coaching and moved out of being a pastor into coaching, my first business was church coach. And I was working obviously primarily with uh, pastors and and honestly, I think most of what I was doing was just, I was just a place where pastors got to be human. Mm. And I used to joke that I, I, I was just, I was just there. So pastors had a place to cuss. And, and uh, <laughs> yes. that was my joke. Cause they just, they need, you know, pa- like some of the standards we place on pastors are not in keeping with reality. Right. Uh, so, I, so, you know, I, I've, I've tried to help you know, help them be humans at the same time they're living out this, this, uh, leadership journey that sometimes people place very unrealistic expectations on them. Uh, so anyways, that was, that was my first take at coaching was mostly that. Yeah, I can, I can see that's a, that's a, that's a big challenge. And I think, I think people who are in roles like that, where, which again, is like a 24 seven, role, you know, responsibility level. They need to have a place where they can go and, and have those shut the door conversations. Otherwise you you can it can really be tough on you personally when you're under that pressure all the time. And so you need a place to be able to vent. I think we talk a lot about on this show is having a mentor or having a coach or having a at least even a peer that you can shut the door and and uh say, hey, uh, I'm struggling here or man, I'm frustrated. And, you know, somebody that has been there and can understand where they're coming from is certainly a big thing in leadership if you have that as a resource that you can call into. So, yeah, so my hat's off. That's a, that's a really important um, role to play. One thing that I was going to ask you about is, you know, I talk about it in my books and, and in this podcast, we talk about that leadership is a people business. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I imagine your role as a pastor, did that help you? Did that help you understand people better? Because you do get to really get to know people in a pastoral role. Yeah, and it, you know, I was th- I was thinking about that. It's it's weird. Uh, 
the first thing that you just know as a pastor, because when people are coming to, you know, people that look, they look just great on Sunday morning yeah. and they want to meet and they're just falling apart. And one of the things that I think is just true that we as leaders should remember of our employees and of, and of people we lead is pretty much everyone's struggling with more than it seems like they are. And they have things going on that are really big and weighty and, and, you know, internal and, and, you know, like nobody is at their best all the time. And that's just part of being human. And we as leaders have to accept that first in ourselves. And second, we have to accept that in the people that we lead, that they're, they're dealing with real things. I used to make the joke, a little bit of a joke that you really never know how hard someone is working just to be normal. Mm. And so there are people on your team and in your, you know, sphere of influence and even in your family that they're working really hard just to show up. It is a lot of energy just to walk through the door. Yeah. And uh, that, that's the first thing. The other thing that I think, and, and, you know, I don't want, I wouldn't want to spend too much time on this, but it is really true. Um, in, in, I think, you know, in general people, there's this nobility about people that everyone wants to be part of something great and want to be part of something big. And then there's this depravity in people where everyone can be selfish and everyone can be small and petty. And, and I can, you can't, everyone, everyone can. And I, I would just say, one of the things I learned about people is it's very futile to yell at their depravity. What you want to do is turn on the the nobility yeah. and the nobility. And, you know, there's, you know, again, I know this is a podcast about leadership, not church, but you know, some churches, all they do is yell at you and, yeah. and tell you what's wrong with you. Those churches, they're not really connecting with people, but the churches that invite you in to, to a grander story and a bigger vision those are, those are, I think, a more compelling, you know, humans move in that direction way more. I agree. I agree. I, I think it's a big part in, in leadership, not just in the yes. church, but I think in business too, is that, you know, they want to be part of something bigger. And um, I, I say this a lot, that, that people are both messy, right, as you just, just yeah. mentioned, and amazing. Yes. Right. So, so that's the two sides of them. It's, it's just same thing you were just saying. It's like, we have this, we have this bad side and we have this good side. And I think as leaders, we, you, we can be one or two ways. You could be always beating people up over the things that they're not doing, or you can you establish a vision where we're headed and figure out what motivates uh, your team and then get them excited about being part of something bigger than themselves. And then that's an exciting time. And then you get a, you get an organization that's really uh, motivated and moving forward. And we're not talking about someone who is late for work every day. We're talking about, you know, what we can do to change the world, you know? And I, and I, I think everyone, pretty much everyone wants to be a part of that. Yes. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a sad soul that can't find something to believe in, uh, at, you know, a team to be a part of, or a vision to go chase or a cause to, to go try to, you know, resolve or, or something like that. You know, I think we're designed for that. We're, we're meant for that. Yeah. It'll be not the very best in us when we, when we're connected to something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I always say people, if, if you're in a role where you're not feeling that, go find another role. Because I think you really need to to be in a place where you feel like you're making a difference and you're doing something that you really truly believe in and have a heart for. And if you don't have it, that's not a, it's no way to live. You know, it's no way to get, a, I mean, yes, maybe it's a paycheck, but it's no way to live. Well, a paycheck's not, you know, a paycheck is, 
I just think there's more. You could do better. You could you yeah. can hire in the, you know, in in what your aspirations are. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the things one of the things I as I did in the introduction, you you have a passion for helping uh, leaders unlock their personal and team potentials. So I was just going to ask you, like, where do where do leaders get stuck, both uh, personally and professionally? Yeah, I, I love that question. I, I think I think for me, stuck is a mentality. Mm. It's not a reality. It's not. It is not. Uh, most you know. Again, that's a pretty big statement, but sometimes you're, you know, okay, it's checkmate and you're stuck. But most of the time stuck is in your mind yeah. that you just, you've been hidden against the wall so long or you're tired or, or, you know, I, I boil it down to maybe like four, four things. You know, the first one is I, um, I, I was actually doing a, a masterclass called Unstuck and Unstoppable. And I was like, I was talking about this and I said, you're not stuck. You're just focused on what you can't control. Mm. And when you focus on what you can't control, you can't act. Yeah. And that's not stuck. It's just bad focus. Uh, another one is like, you're not stuck. You just are afraid to make the move you know you should make. Right, right. Or have the conversation that you know you should have. You're not, you know, a lot of leaders, John, I, and you've probably seen this too. A lot of people in business and in leaders, they're one decision, one move away from like a, a, another level, a better place. Oh, yeah. And tell you what it is. Yeah. But they lack the fortitude or the courage or the clarity or whatever to actually do it. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's another, you know, you're not stuck. You're just afraid. You're just, you're intimidated. Fear. By what you know you need to do. Uh, and then the last one I, I think is is pretty big is is sometimes you're not stuck. You're just tired and you're weary. And and what 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 you need to do is just take a second, you know, go to the beach for a week or do whatever it is that you do to re re recover and then climb back in and you'll discover you were not stuck. You were weary. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's such a really important point. I, I've never really talked about that before, but you're right. I think, especially I'm an entrepreneur. I've been running a manufacturing business for seven years and there's a grind to that. That okay. is, uh, you know, you got, you got payroll runs twice a month, right? Regardless of, what's happening with orders and uh, collections and all that stuff, right? So there's a grind to it that um, you're, it, I, you can wear you down if you don't have those opportunities to step away from it and realize why you did this in the beginning. You, know, you get yeah. caught up in the day-to-day -day grind and you forget about the fact that I, I'm doing something that few people get the chance to do, which is lead my own business, right? And so you forget why you started, right? You get in, you get in, and so I like that idea of having that time off to be able yeah. to just, you know, rest and reflect, and then go back in recharged. I'm, uh, I'm coach. One of my clients right now, I'm coaching him. He's a small business owner, and like a lot of small business owners, it's very what I would call owner centric. Yes, which means it, it, it. Uh, when you, you, when he, when he stops, the whole thing stops. And yes. so that's, that's how we started. And I've been helping him delegate. And, and our goal was that he would have a vacation. Yes. Uh, and literally this Friday, uh, he goes on vacation. And, and so I've been working with him for months to get the, the, you know, the right person hired, the right thinking in his head. And, and, uh, and this is a guy who gets 300 emails a day and answers them. Uh, and, yeah. and just, just, it's very, you know, he keeps it going, keeps it going, keeps it going. And I, I'm, I'm 
I've helped him delegate and now he's like, I'm, he's taken a week and, and I'm so excited for him. And it's just, he's, he's weary. He is a, yeah. he is a weary man. Yeah. He's been at it by himself. You know, well, he's got a team, but he, but he doesn't really trust them. Yeah. And, and, and uh, one of his other issues is there's a person on his team that he needs to make a tough call. And we've gotten right to the edge several times. And then he'll call me and say, miles, we're going to, Let's just slow down. Let's just slow down. And so we're just. <laughs> it's, it's the same thing. I've, I've had this conversation many, many times with leaders. It's like, oh, it, when you do it, though, when you do have to let that person go and you finally do it, you realize, ah, I should have, I should have did that. I should have done that. I slept so good that night. months ago, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, and everyone knows that the whole, the whole team knows that this person's oh, not, yeah. it's not pulling their weight. And you know, you got to do something about it. And they're all just sort of waiting for you to. They're like, you're the only one who could do this. You need to take action. And everyone knows it. You know it. Even the person knows it. <laughs> my, my, the most embarrassing moments for me in my leadership journey is when I, when it dawns on me, everyone's waiting for me to do what obviously needs to be done. Yes. And we're all just waiting for me. And then I go, get me again. Yes. Yeah. So, but, you know, the good news is when it's you is you can fix it fast. Exactly. Yeah. I always say that I, don't, I never want to be the bottleneck for my team. Right. <laughs> so right. It's the worst place to be. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. This episode is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger Fitness. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area that they're lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. But how do you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best person for the job. Don't struggle on your own. Put Jeremy Clevenger on your team. Jeremy will work with you to take your physique, mindset, nutritional habits, and more to the next level with his step-by-step, all-inclusive coaching program. Now, I've worked with Jeremy for the past year, and I'm in the best shape of my life. If you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at apexperformancesystems.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today. This episode is brought to you by the Sasquatch Flag Company. The Sasquatch Flag Company is a family-owned business in New England that builds hand-carved American flags from seasoned white pine. Each flag is hand-built and each star on the flag is hand-hammered and chiseled. No two flags are alike. They offer a variety of flag designs to honor the police, military, firefighters, dispatchers, and search and rescue personnel, to name a few. These stunning handmade flags look great in an office, a studio, the back porch, or above the fireplace mantle. They make the perfect gift for the veteran, first responder, or patriot in your life. Now, I love these flags, and I've been giving them as gifts for years, and I was a customer long before they became a sponsor of the show. I can't recommend them enough, so if you're looking for that perfect, uniquely American make gift to give away or if you want to treat yourself go to sasquatchflags.com and get your order in today 
But I think what you said is something important is sometimes leaders, especially small business owners, they tend to hold on tightly to everything. I mean, they're the founders, there is their idea, it's their baby. And so it's really hard to let go and let others do it. And that's why so many businesses fail. So why so many businesses never get to the next level because they're not willing to let go of, of certain things. And when you're able to let go, and I, and I, you know, just because I've I've led in bigger, much bigger businesses and I've done a lot of delegating my in my time, as a small business owner, I'm like Mr. Delegate. I'm like, you can do this, you do this, I'm gonna do this. And and so I love it. And so I personally take vacations, you know, I personally get away from the office because I have a capable team that I trust and they know I trust them. So they like, I like working here because Rennie gives me the keys to the car, you know. Right. Oh, they like that, you know? And I'll, I'll tell you, if you don't trust the team that you've brought around you, then you've either, I mean, there's not a lot of options. You, either you have the wrong people around you or you have the wrong perspective about the people around you. Yeah. And those are like, that's it. That's, there's not a, I don't think there's, I can't imagine a third option. You know, you, you, the reason to bring them around you. And, and, and again, what we were saying earlier, people want to be part of big things and people want to play a role in big things. Yes. And, and, you know, those things, you know, people want to drive the car. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. One of the things I noticed in corporate was, you know, I did 22 years in corporate before starting my own business. And one of the things I noticed is that we have these young, excited people come into our companies. They they spend four years studying something, and they got certifications, and you know they're the certified engineer. They they've gone through this process. And they finally get their job at this big global company that they've always wanted to work for. And what do we do? We put them in a box, and we say, "You're just the new guy. We're not going to give you anything right. difficult to do. We're not going to push push the limits of what you're capable of. We're going to give all the tough assignments to the experienced people." And we never give those opportunities to those young up-and-comers, and we never give them the chance to drive the car, to get some responsibility. And it's frustrated me so much because then they end up at a company for one, two, three years, and they're like, I never got asked my opinion, and then they quit and they go do something else. That always frustrated me, that we never challenge these new people coming in the world. And it's like... Everyone who's not doing anything is bored. And then the, you know, the the five yes. up are exhausted because it. they have to do everything because we don't trust anyone else. Um, I'll tell you, I, I did some research um on on leadership, what I call leadership development environments, which is a little bit different than programs. Like a program is, you know, beginning end, you bring them in, we're gonna go through the things. An environment is just what what do teams what is leadership and being on a team like when everyone grows because the environment is a developmental environment? And uh, I think it was the Center for Creative Leadership. Uh, when I found I found an article from them that said, you know, there are three primary uh, factors to that. The first one is challenge, which is what you're talking about, um, where, you, you know, when's the last time you gave an assignment to somebody in your team that made them sweat? Yes. That they were unsure. You know, they were unsure. Just it was a little bit farther than what they felt like yeah. they were. A stretch assignment. Yeah. Right. A stretch assignment. Yeah. yeah. I always call developmental math is 10 plus one. Like whatever you think 10 is, we're going to add one. Yeah. And developmental math is 10 plus one equals 10. So once you discover you can do it, then we're going to add one again. And and anyways, so so challenge. The next one is feedback. Good and bad and real time. Um, feedback, which is amazing how bad some bosses are at feedback. Yeah. 
one of the statements I'll say often when I'm teaching a group is, or the questions I'll ask is, if your boss felt like you were doing a bad job, when would you want to know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And the answer is, for my, my answer is, well, either right now or never. Like, or, or the bad boss, they just can never bring it up. Or I want to know today. I don't, don't make, don't tell me at a review three months from now or, or some, don't, don't be feeling like I'm not doing a good job and not communicating with me. And then I'll always say to them, well, how many of you are bosses that have employees right now that you don't think are doing a good job, but you've not talked to them about it? Yes. And, and why, why aren't you talking to them? Talk to them today. Like don't sit down with them and say, Hey, sums up, let's solve it together. Uh, so feedback. And then the third one is belief, uh, which kind of humanizes it. And, you know, you, you know, this, the military is really good at this. People rise to the level of belief that others have of them, particularly people they look up to like a mentor or a boss or a parent. And so, you know, a challenge feedback and belief are what I think are the, you know, if I, when I lead a team, that's what I want it to feel like. Yeah, that's great. Great feedback. I know I talk about the experience I had running uh, my first manufacturing plant at 32 years old. I was the youngest plant manager at this, the history of this 40-year plant. And um, somebody believed in me. I had a boss who said, right. I'd, I'd never run a manufacturing plant before. I didn't know anything really about manufacturing, uh, but they saw potential in me and they gave me that 10 plus one assignment. It was right. one of these like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, but over time, I grew to love it. And it became something that was a passion of mine uh, for, you know, for 22 years. And, uh, and so, yeah, it was, it was, but, but someone had to believe in me and, and give me that opportunity. And, yeah. you know, maybe a lot of, maybe guys, some guys fall on their face, but a lot of people will rise to that challenge yeah. and it becomes a, a, a like, wow, thanks for giving me the gift of a challenge. Well, I'll tell you, like I, you know, I worked at the church, you know, and then, and one day, so the church had about 200 on staff. And one day the senior pastor said, Hey, we're doing a fundraiser, a $30 million fundraiser, which is, you know, when you, when you work at a church, it's not fun. That's not, those aren't fun. <laughs> necessary sometimes or whatever, but you know, oh, and then he calls me into his office and says, you're going to be in charge of it. <clears throat> and, and, uh, I was, there's nothing in my background that suggests I need <laughs> a $30 million fundraiser. I'm a leadership development guy. And then the next day he calls the staff together and he says, by the way, that $30 million fundraiser, Miles is going to run it. Whatever he says is what we're doing. And he literally got up and walked out of the room. And then I was, I was just there. And <laughs> which is a great picture of empowerment uh, also, yes. but I'm not exaggerating, John. I literally did not sleep for two days. Again, yeah. I didn't, I was terrified. I, I And I, there were so many things I wanted to try to figure out right away to get up to speed. I'm not exaggerating. I didn't sleep. And so I, I often I'll ask, you know, when's the last time you gave an assignment to somebody where they didn't sleep for two days? Yeah. Freaking out about the size and scope of it. Yeah. But it formed and the me. thing is, and, and the thing is, people do rise to the occasion. Yeah. And, and if they don't, you it's a new data point, right? So if you give somebody a challenging assignment and they can't rise to the occasion, you've learned a lot there. You're like, okay, well, this this was too much too soon for this individual. That's fine, you know, but that, but I think you learn a lot, but we never get that data point if we don't ever give those challenging assignments to people. And they never grow. And the, the, the people at the top are exhausted and the people who want more. Don't yeah. Grow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 
that's um, that's really important. Um, one of the things I want to talk to you about is um, this idea of failure and becoming more resilient. You know, there's a quote out there. It's like, success is the ability to move from one yeah. failure to another without the loss of enthusiasm. I think that was written for an entrepreneur. But uh, as, as leaders, how how can we become better at overcoming failure and building resilience? Yeah, and I think resilience, that, first of all, that's... I, it re- leadership requires resilience because of failure and difficulty and setback and being confounded is just, you know, just par for the course, right? It's just, uh, you know, I did, I wrote a thing on the, the second law of therm- leadership and the second law of thermodynamics, which is that everything goes from order to chaos. <laughs> yes. And that's just true, right? You're solving your one team member here. The other one over here is going to chaos. You solve this strategy falls apart. You solve that the vision's gone. And leadership is a, is a constant holding together and keeping order of everything that seems to want to fall apart. And sometimes it does, doesn't it? It's sometimes, you know, I've been, I've been, I've had dreams and visions and plans and careers just crash. And, and I'll tell you, um, I th- on a personal level, you know, I, I think it's funny. I, I showed up to, uh, to a, uh, I was doing some consulting with a guy. He had me fly in and he was meeting with that board, his board that night. He got fired that night. And I was in there for, I was with him for a week. And so the next day he's fired and I'm in town. And so he sat with me and he said, what do I do now? And I said, dude, right now you hurt. Yeah. That, Cause that's the, you don't get a skip hurting. Yeah. You're going to hurt and it's going to hurt for a good, your ego hurts, your, your, you got some things and, and that's part of resilience is being honest about when it hurts, hurt, and then heal. And then you're going to have to pick everything up and go, you know, dive into the next vision and the next dream and the next thing. But I, what I, what I think is true, I think some people, you know, say it said simply, you got to mourn and you got to move on. Some people are really too fast to move on. And some people stay too long in the more. And so you got to kind of know who you are and, and, you know, like some people out there just hurting for too long and you're like, dude, it's over. That, that wasn't that big of a deal. And, and, uh, but the people that move on too fast, which I think most leaders would, would lean that way. How, you know, you're moving on too fast is you can't fully climb with full enthusiasm into the next thing because you're collecting baggage. Yes. You have to take the time to mourn it, to deal with it, to to solve it, to wrestle it down. You know, you can get imposter syndrome really bad or insecurities. You can get anger and start to grow as you go from thing to thing to thing. You know, you, things can happen in you if you're not taking the time to hurt and heal. Uh, and so I, I to, for me, resilience is, is all of that. Uh, the, the last thing I would say about resilience, which I think is true, is um, to be, to, to be a leader is to set high standards for yourself and high, like high performance comes from setting, uh, lofty goals and high standards, right? You, you know, you're never going to go farther than your goals. You'll never live better than your standards. So I always think you should set really lofty goals and, and really high standards for who you want to be, how you want to live, what you want to chase. 
That's the key to high performance. The key to high performance for a lifetime is being incredibly kind to yourself when you don't live up to your lofty goals and your high standards. Yeah, yes, yeah. And that's hard to do, like, because we're not taught how to do that. You read the books from these Navy SEALs and it's just like every day you win. And it's like, dude, I've, I've been around SEALs. They don't win every day. Right. Like, like, that's not real. Real life is, you know, you set high goals and then you hit many of them. And some, yeah. some of them. And hopefully one of them. But, but so how you process your own weakness and your days when you're less than awesome and is, is for me the key to resilience. Because if you add... If you get into your own head because you're not, you know, perfectly living out your morning routine 16 years in a row without fail, you know, if you're in your head thinking you're a failure because you're not doing that, you're not going to last. Yeah, yeah. So resilience, like, like high performance comes from being hard on yourself. Resilience comes from being kind to yourself. Yes. You don't have to be so soft. Good. You don't be soft on yourself to be kind to yourself and you don't have to be cruel to yourself to be hard on yourself like being hard on yourself is about the goals you said the standards you said being kind to yourself is about how you live when you how what, what you say to yourself when you don't live up and you inevitably will not live up yes yeah yeah absolutely and you're going to make mistakes and uh and everything that you do i mean uh you know i I I have a corner in my factory of old products where we uh, we failed and we we made some bad decisions yeah. with getting into some new products. And I I find it part of part of me with resilience. And I don't know if the military got me into it, but I always think it's it's you know having a good sense of humor about it. It's yeah. like it's like well, there's you know there's my corner in the plant where I keep my corner of shame where I made all sorts of dumb decisions. And, uh, and it's one of those things like, okay, it's a reminder that, you know, I'm not perfect and we made some mistakes, uh, but, you know, 95% of my decisions on this business have been good, but 5% are sitting in this corner of the plant. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a good sense of humor. I always have a laugh about it. So Yeah. And that's just, you know, the, one of the realities of leadership is everything you do is pretty public. Yeah. And so failures are also public. Yeah. And your, you know, your relational mistakes are public. Your strategy mistakes are public, your personal, like, like, it's just a, it's just, it's a, it puts you in the, in front of things. And so it's just, yeah, everyone else is, everyone else is aware. You should probably laugh too, because they're all laughing. Yeah, exactly. Also. Yeah. And I think if you can, if you can be, like you said, kind to yourself and have a good laugh and not be, not take yourself too serious. It's like, okay, well, I, I, I screw that up, but you know what? I do. I do most things pretty good here. So <laughs> my mom, my, my mom is a very opinionated lady, and and uh, like she just will. She'll she'll just she'll go. You know, like politics or whatever. She's she's. You're gonna know what she thinks. But if you ever convince her she's wrong, she'll always say this. Well, what the hell do I know? And it's just like really like green phrase where it's like, well, sometimes I'm wrong, and and it's like, wow, that's to be opinionated and also able to say that. You know, that's a good balance. Yes. Yes. That is very good. That's really good. I like that a lot. Um, so, you know, we're kind of wrapping up here. So what are some other maybe messages, things about leadership that we hadn't covered that maybe you want to leave with our listeners, some other thoughts? Yeah, I'll tell you, I've, I've, first of all, leadership is the most, I, I believe leadership is the most noble endeavor on earth. And, and I, I think, 
you know, I've, I've seen leadership turn around communities and turn around nations. I, I, I really do believe that everything rises and falls on leadership. I think it's every nation, every family, every business, every person, every community. And so if you're, if, you know, whatever, whatever you can do to improve your leadership, I encourage you to do it because it's, it's leaders build better lives and everything rises and falls on leadership. Uh, that would be, you know, I just believe that. And so, so growing as a leader, listening to podcasts like this is super important, you know, to, to have intake and grow. The other thing I would say is sometimes we skip self-leadership uh, or we get so busy, we neglect self-leadership. You can leave yourself behind. And that's, that's, you know, some, one of the lies that leaders say to themselves is I'm going to cheat this season, but next season it's going to slow down. And right. I mean, we, we do, we're just, we, but this is a lie we say to ourselves to justify dismissing really, you know, health balance and healthy habits and personal self-leadership things. I would just encourage you that if you like, just think about this. If you achieve your dreams, you're probably going to be busier. And if you don't, you're probably going to be busier. Yeah. And so either way, the idea that the next season is going to be less busy is probably just an illusion. And I would encourage you to just decide no matter what happens, I'm going to start with self-leadership. I'm going to focus on me, on growing in wisdom and having healthy habits personally on being kind to, you know, teaching myself how to talk kindly to myself. And, and I'm going to set goals for myself and standards for myself and live them out. Start there. Like, like think about this, every meeting that you're in, you're in. Maybe the best version of you should show up, you know, lead your, like whatever you, you, when you lead yourself, you, 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 everything you touch gets better because you're better. Yeah. yeah. So the version of you showing up into anything improves. And, and so I just encourage you, number one, everything rises and falls on leadership. So I just like, like jump in a leadership journey, keep growing, keep learning, keep striving, keep leading. And it's hard. It's exhausting. Be around other people. We didn't talk about that in resilience, but man, having friendships and having people is a is a big part of that. And then the second thing I'd say is just if you if you if you don't know what else to do, or if you're neglecting self leadership, I would start with start with leading yourself. Lead yourself first. Yeah. Great message. Great summary. Uh, great reminders, Miles. That's been uh, fantastic having you on the show. Tell tell our listeners how they can find out more about you and oh. what you do in your company. Yeah, I'd love uh, to get to know all of you. Uh, you can go to mileswelch.coach and uh, sign up for my newsletter. And you'll, you know, if you like what we're talking about here, this is the kind of stuff we talk about. And you'll see some of my offerings on the website and some of the, I do one-on-one coaching every now and then I do a master class. And, and, but, but the newsletter is kind of where I would start and just kind of get to know more about what I'm doing and where I'm at and, and uh, love to connect with you. You'll have my email address if you sign up for the newsletter and love to talk more about leadership with you. Fantastic. We'll put a link in the show notes for that resource. And, and again, I would encourage uh, listeners also, uh, Miles, you're pretty active on Twitter. I know we interface a lot and you've put a lot of good wisdom out there on Twitter. And, you know, some people complain about Twitter. Oh, it's this, you know, it's all filled with hate speech and all this stuff. Like, 
No, no, no. It is if you do that yourself. But if you can, if you can focus in, there's a lot of good content creators out there in the leadership space, and you're one of them. So I encourage uh, leaders. I'll put a link to that uh, your Twitter feed as well because I think you do a really good job out there. Put out some good content. So I encourage people to follow you there as well. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. Miles, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I really think we covered a lot of ground and uh, it's really fascinating to hear your perspective coming from the military, from, you know, being a pastor and now doing coaching leadership. I think you bring a really interesting perspective to the whole thing of leaderships. And, and uh, I really, I, I've enjoyed this conversation. So I appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks, man. Love that. Love being here. Well, yeah. thanks again. All right. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share as we continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production. Electric Cast. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electric acid.